All right, so quick little, uh, hopefully less than five minute. Here's what we're doing for for y'all, um, so that you're not like, why, where, where in the world did this question come from, right? Um, for the last several weeks, couple of months, we've been on Wednesday nights exploring heaven, like asking ourselves, what does Scripture tell us about heaven? What does it tell us about heaven, like heaven now? If you were to pass from this life to the next, what could you expect to see? And then also, what does it tell us about heaven eternal, like heaven after the resurrection? And we're trying, we've listed out um, more than a hundred good questions, um, and we've just been walking through them, kind of categorizing them, grouping them where where they where they group together well. Um, for the last, this will be the tenth session. Um, we've been uh, so for the last nine, and then ten, including tonight, we've been looking at uh, the intermediate state. So, what does heaven look like? And we're um, putting a kind of a bounding box around what we mean. Um, the end of that bounding box being when the resurrection happens, right? So um, heaven looks different in some ways after the resurrection than it looks today. So we're grouping some of the questions together, uh, and the ones that we're going to be looking, the one that we're going to be looking at tonight falls into that category of heaven prior to the resurrection. Um, so. I've kind of been calling this section of this study the layover. So think about if you're going on a long trip and your destination is one place, but you have to stop somewhere before you get to that final destination, the intermediate state being that layover between death and our hope and resurrection life. So kind of uh, the sessions that I've been recording, I've just been kind of calling these the sessions for the layover. So this is uh, what we have to expect and questions that we would look at uh, when we're looking at the time between now and uh, the resurrection. Uh, So with that being said, that's kind of quick little, um, while we're asking the questions that we're asking, while specifically we're going to be looking at uh, the question that we have tonight. Um, I also encourage everybody, um, and this has just kind of been a theme of this along the way, I don't expect that you will come out of any any examination of any of the questions that we've looked at without other questions. That's a good thing. That's what I want us to do. If you have any that you feel like you can't wrestle with on your own and you want us to loop it in to this study, bring it to me afterwards, and we will um, loop it into the questions that we already have and um, just continue uh, on our way doing our best to kind of mine out from Scripture the things that we can that we can learn and understand about heaven. So the last couple of sessions, starting probably two sessions back, um, the session specifically where we were looking at Revelation chapter 6 and we were looking at like the 21 observations that we can make from that passage of text there, we've been kind of following that thread for the last two or three um, last two or three sessions, and another question that kind of naturally flows out of that discussion is the one that we're going to be looking at tonight. So tonight's question, and then we're going to go from just putting the question out there, and immediately we're going to start setting up some guardrails tonight, because this is one that if we don't set up guardrails, it can be easy to go uh, to, to for our questions to go into left or right field or 
or, or wherever. So we're going to lay out the question and then immediately jump in and start talking. I'm going to lay out for you what we're not talking about, and then we'll talk about what, what we're intending on talking about. So question for the, for the night, and I'm going to read this uh, at least two times. So here's the question that we're going to be addressing tonight. Did those who are in heaven now pray for those who are on earth now? Again, the question for tonight, did those who are in heaven now pray for those who are on earth now? Or do those who are in heaven now pray for us who are on earth now? Um, some of the things that we don't intend to mean when we ask this question tonight, I'm just going to put those out there. This is what we don't intend on. We are not talking about praying for the dead. That's not what tonight's question is in regards to. And I want you to pay attention when I read again the question that we're going to look at to the direction that we're looking in regards to prayer. So pay close attention to the direction of these prayers or the, this, this question in regards to prayer uh, when I read the question to you again. Think about in what direction is the prayer. Is it from earth upwards or is it from heaven downwards? So I'll read it again so that you can think about the direction and get that put in your head. So do those who are in heaven now pray for us who are on earth now? So to answer the question of direction, this is a direction from heaven to earth as far as the direction of those praying and for who they're praying uh, so we're not talking about praying for the dead. Um, we're also not talking about praying to the dead. All right. So we're not praying for the dead. We're not praying to the dead. This is not us praying to, you know, like great aunt Mildred. Um, God rest your soul. Would you please take this petition to the throne for me? Right. So that's a guardrail that we're putting up. This is also not us praying Perhaps Aunt Mildred, we don't know her state. She was not a faithful, you know, like believer walking in the faith here. This is not us praying in some regards that we're going to change her eternal destination. This is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about any prayer for those that, like, we don't, as, as Protestants, um, as uh, a Baptist church here, we do not believe in purgatory, so this is in no way has any direction or any sense in which we're, we're speaking to that. So um, those are some of the things that we're talking about not, and just to kind of get you an idea when we start looking at the text. And here's a passage of text that I want us to look at tonight to kind of help cement this guardrail in place. This is the text that would serve as our guardrails for tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to start reading in verse 14, and we're going to read to verse 16. So this is going to be the text that we're going to use to kind of guide our understanding of where not to go and to kind of center us just in the way that we think about prayer. Um, we're going to look at this again at the end of, like, uh, this is going to bookend to tonight's discussion, so we're, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it up front. I just want to put it out there because we are going to loop back around to it at the end just to, to kind of wrap things up for the day. So Hebrews chapter 4. Starting in verse 14 and then going through verse 16. If you're, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, please read along with me. Uh, starting in verse 14. Since then, since then we have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And verse 16 is the the one that I want you to pay close attention to here. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So as we're going to be asking the question throughout tonight and, and kind of looking at some passages of text that can help us shape the way that we think about this, the thing that I want to put out for you first and foremost, you have no need for another intercessor. You have no need for Aunt Mildred. I hope none of you have an Aunt Mildred. <laughs> if any name that I pick, there's going to be someone that's named that, right? Unless I go to one of the long Old Testament names and and, and just kind of murder it, trying to pronounce it. The, it <laughs> yeah, great, great uncle, whoever, right? There's no need for you to pray for them if they found their way to heaven um, to be approaching Jesus on your behalf. There's not a need for that any more than there's a need for you to go to a priest so that he can make your needs known, right? Now, I say that, I say that, but I also want, and we're going to see this as we get into the, some of the passages that we're going to look at tonight, the fact that I can go to Jesus directly and that He intercedes for me does not negate the benefit of you praying for me or me praying for you. Do we got that? That I don't... I don't need you as someone that must stand in the middle and you are in need of no one who can who can stand in between you and God because you have a great high priest that is Christ Jesus, who when you speak to God, you can come to God boldly because of him. You need no one else do it for you. And as we kind of put that out there, um, one of the things that I want us to take away from tonight as well is a reminder for us all the great blessing that it is that you, someone who has found themselves, either either you find yourselves in Selves, and this we're on a Wednesday night, so you fall into the first camp, which is you find yourselves one who likely was an enemy and now has been made a son or daughter, or you could find yourself here tonight where you still find yourself in that um, condition of, of enemy as well. That's that that, that happens. Um, but let's assume that that uh, that we all come here tonight um, and we find ourselves in the grace of God and. I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, that comes with a benefit that we cannot we cannot build up enough. I cannot like hype up the importance of the reality that there was a time where you were an enemy of God and now there is a time where you don't approach his throne with your head held low, but that you can approach 
boldly. Like this is a significant thing. So do not negate in your prayer lives such a great blessing and such a great benefit. And also let us not negate or let us not neglect amongst ourselves to pray one for one another because we are a people who can come to the creator and, and upholder of the universe and make our hearts known to him without need of intercessor, right? So with that being said, we're going to look at a couple of places um, that help us to, to think about this question and give us a little bit of guidance in regards to how we might approach answering the question. So remind you of the question. Do those who are in heaven now pray for us who are on the earth now? Go, go to Romans chapter 8, verse 33. We're going to look at verse 33 and 34 here. I'll give you a second to get there. Um, Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. So, if we were to slightly reword this question, if we were to reword this question, just reform this question just a little bit, um, we'd be out of here in five minutes. Um, and I know some of you are like, sweet, we'll get home early, and then others know that I'm not going to just take the easy way out of this question. Um, but I am going to put it up for you um, here at the beginning. So if we were to reword it like this, does anyone in heaven pray for us on earth now? What would the answer to that be? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who would that be? That would be Jesus, right? So Romans chapter 8. So if, if, we're, if we think about it in this regard, just simply, is there anyone in heaven who prays for us? Yes, that would be, that would be the, the answer to the question. So uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 33 through 34 here. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised... Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? What is intercession? It's, when, we, when we speak about prayer, there is a, a large component of what we mean by prayer that is simply intercession, right? It is simply intercession. And we see here that Christ at the right hand of God, this is the same Jesus who walked on the earth. This is the same one who died. More than that, the one who was raised, who is right now at the right hand of God. He intercedes on your behalf, believer. So if we were to ask the question, does anyone in heaven pray for us? The answer is easy. Yes, absolutely. Jesus, who is at the right hand of God, is interceding for us. This is no small thing to consider that the one who upholds the universe considers your circumstances. Right? Like, do not... Don't just pass by this okay don't just like okay check that off we can answer that question at least in some regard move on when you find yourself on your darkest day or when you find yourself in your most joyous 
moment. He is there interceding for you. When you feel at your lowest and loneliest, as though there is no one else who understands, who could fully pray for you as you need, in that moment, you have one believer who is. He knows your situation fully and completely. And even when you don't know yourself that you should be praying in a way in regards to it, He is there for you, interceding on your behalf. That is a big deal. So I just want us to take a moment and just consider that before we move on. That the God of all creation concerns himself concerns himself with the affairs of your life and is not so busy not so lazy not so lax in his prayer life that your needs are considered by him fully completely always if you if you find yourself with the prayer need that you feel like no one else can understand. If you find yourself failing in your prayers, He is interceding on your behalf. Um, Can we just take a moment and say, thank you, Jesus, for the fact that when I fail in prayers for myself or my family or my church or my friends, that you have not failed, not even once there. So yes, is there anyone in heaven praying for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus is. Now, um, when we ask this question, we, we, this is coming out of uh, Revelation chapter 6, where we were looking at a few sessions back. Um, this idea kind of comes forth from that. That's what we're going to look at next. If you want to go um, back into the book of Revelation and look at Revelation chapter 6, verse 10. Here's where we're going to, and we're not going to go back over all the context of all that was going on there. Uh, feel free to jump back into uh, that previous session. It's, it's up on the podcast um, to get kind of a, a deep dive or a refresher on this. We're just going to look at verse 10 tonight, which is where we see these martyrs who are in heaven aware of the goings-on on earth, interceding on behalf of the justice that they seek for the wrongs done to them, as well as for those who find themselves under the persecution of those who persecuted them even to death, right? So that's kind of the context of what we're seeing here. And, what, and we're going to look here at verse 10. They cried out with a loud voice, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? So are they interceding? Are they in heaven? Are they interceding in regards to events that are going on on earth in real time while they're there? Yes, so... Conclusion that we can pull out from this. And on all these that we're going to be looking at tonight, I want us to be like, 
I don't want us to try to push too hard on any one thing. This is Tonight we're really just thinking about it and considering it. We're not trying to paint a broad general brush about what Aunt Mildred or whoever is doing, right? Like, this is not what we're, this is not what we're trying to... I'm, I don't want to answer for you that particular question, but I want, I want us to think about it in a way in regards to the possibilities of what might be taking place, right? And we can do this by examining the text. So from this, what we can conclude is that some number of individuals, we don't know the total number, in heaven have an awareness of earth and concern themselves with the events of earth in such a way that they would petition God in regards to the events that are taking place on earth, right? What is that? That's intercession. We would group that into into prayer. Now, if if they're in heaven doing this, then face to face, we tip, typically don't necessarily call that prayer. But the the work that we would consider prayer, which is us approaching the throne of God and putting forward our heart before God, that's what's taking place here. Yeah. Why would you consider that's the that that's a question we're actually going to cover that next week that will be a qu- like like the, the idea and you you're right on in what you're in what you're thinking here because this is this is one of those like I, I don't want to call it a, a stumbling block or a roadblock but it is one of those thoughts that oftentimes will hit us when we when we think about like a verse like this this verse hits us head on because it's not it's not merely, is it a possibility? But for some, it is a distinct reality. Right? Because this is looking out into the future in this particular instance and seeing events taking place in which there are people with names, individuals with names, with lives, who were known for the lives and testimonies that they had, that are known as those who were martyred, and yet they are in heaven, in paradise, enjoying that life that Paul looked forward to and said it will be much better. Right? Like he had a hope for a life that would be much better. And they find themselves here in that life. And yet, the resurrection has yet to occur. And they are, though in a better place, still there anticipating even greater. Right? And that's this. When we talk about the intermediate state, it's far better. It's far better than the life that we know. But you will be in the intermediate state anticipating yet better while you're there. That's the hope that we have in the resurrection, 
Right? That's the hope that they're looking forward to. The day when God's culminating all of this work. They're looking for God's justice to play out. Right? And we're going to dig into this a little bit more. Because the question that you're kind of inching towards is one that like, if it's so good, why am I worried at all with? Right? Like that's kind of where that question comes from. It's like, if it's so good, then why am I concerned at all with? It would be like you having a good day and not being concerned with anyone who was in the hospital. Right? Can you have a good day? I hope so. I hope you can have a good day. On the day that you're in having your good day, do you imagine that all the hospitals are empty? No, you don't anticipate. Go, go ahead. They do. They have, a, they have a perspective, and we talked about that in that particular session where we're digging deep into that, like some of the ideas around why it is that they would be thinking in the way that they were thinking, that would, in, in many ways, like we might feel hesitant to be like, why do they go so quick to justice, you know, like why not mercy, like, um, but clearly they go towards justice here, seeking for God to judge and avenge, um, And in doing this, what are they doing? They're interceding, right? They're interceding for the events that play out on earth. So from this, so we've got Jesus absolutely praying for us, interceding on our behalf. Uh, We've got this account here where we look at the martyrs and we could conclude from this that there is at bare minimum some subset. If we don't extrapolate this to the whole, then then, then at the... Bare minimum, we would have a subset of individuals who are aware of the goings on on earth, who concern themselves with praying for God to, to like complete his work that he's doing. Right. So at bare minimum, there's Jesus and some other set of individuals who do concern themselves with the events of earth and do intercede on behalf of those who are on earth. So let's look at another case. And this is going, we're going to use this as a negative example. And again, this is one where I don't want us to like press too hard, but I just want us to read it and think about it. Just we're going to read it and think about it. And I'm just going to kind of think out loud as I look at this. Uh, So turn with me to Luke chapter 16, verse 27 through 31 is where we're going to look here. This is the account that's given of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. We're particularly going to be looking at. The rich man here and some of the things that he says. So the rich man has died. He's been taken to Sheol, to the grave. um, And Lazarus has been taken to Abraham's side. And then we find ourselves in verse 27 where he says this. And we're so where are they? Are they on earth? They're dead, right? They've died. That's that happened up in the text just a smidge. But. Uh, In verse 27, they're both dead. They find themselves in their respective places. And then we see the rich man say this. And he said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. 
And he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So what is he doing here? From Sheol, from hell. What is this rich man doing? He's attempting to intercede. And as a negative example, there's lots of things that we can take away here. Right? Who's he interceding with? Is he approaching boldly the throne of God? He can't. He's trying to go with intermediary. Abraham, how about? Well, what is he doing while in hell? Is he only concerned simply with his own torment? Now, don't get past it. He's worried about his own torment. But what does he say? While dead and in hell, he calls out and says, Send him, send Lazarus, to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that they may so that he may warn them. He wants he wants to intercede so that something can happen. Now, he's very much misguided, and we see we see Abraham addressing some of his misconceptions in his responses. And I want us to pay attention. I want us to pay attention to that. So uh, in verse 29, Abraham says, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. What is Abraham saying here? What is Abraham saying here? Scripture is sufficient. Scripture is and has always been sufficient for salvation to those who would believe the message that God has put forward. Scripture is sufficient. What's sufficient here? Abraham's pointing this out. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Like Jesus might would say in that, ye who have ears, let them hear. This is what Abraham's saying. Let them hear the Scriptures. And what is his response? No, Father Abraham, because the heart that is lost does not understand the sufficiency of what's been Put forward to them already and yet looks for excuses as to better ways to approach the situation. So he responds to him. No, 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 Father Abraham. So Abraham gives it to him. Like if they just look at what's in the book, they will see. And his response to them. No. And then he says, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Verse 31, his response back then. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So when we consider the heart of those who are praying in heaven, they are not seeking for someone from heaven to be sent. They're not seeking to intercede with someone else so that they can get before the throne of God. Intercession for the believer is always direct and always trusts in the sufficiency of God's plan, in the working out of God's plan by God's means. There is no one in heaven praying in the same means that this rich man in hell is praying. So is there anyone praying like that? Absolutely not. Jesus is not. None of the martyrs that we looked at previously are doing that. So prayer from heaven would look the opposite of this. 
It would be a prayer like we see with the martyrs approaching God directly, seeking God's answer to things, willingly waiting when they hear that waiting is the response that they should give. Right? That's what we see when we look at the martyr's response in heaven. So that is, uh, we've got kind of the positive example and the negative example there in Luke. Um, I want us to go now to Ephesians, and we're, we're getting pretty close here. Uh, so we've got one more, and then we're going to wrap it up back where we started off. Uh, so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verse 16 through 20. And this is one of those passages of text. When I consider this, I want us to see here that you are, that you are called or commanded to pray for one another. It is your duty as a believer to pray for other believers. It is good that you pray for others. When does that end? When does that become something that's not good? I want you to think about that. Because this is a good thing to pray for one another. We find, I would argue, we find the martyrs doing that very thing when we look in Revelation 6. Is that it is a good thing for those aware of the trials of their brothers and sisters to lift them up. To concern themselves with their lives. That's a good thing. We're going to see that here in this text. And from that, the questions come out as I consider the fact that it's good for me to pray for you now. Will it ever will there ever be a day where it's not good for me to pray for you? Ever. Well there and then so this leads me to another question, okay? As I think about this, will I pray for you in heaven eternal? Will you pray for me in heaven eternal? And I think when we think about this, I think it, we are confronted a bit about the way oftentimes that we consider prayer. Is that we oftentimes only consider prayer as a thing that we do in response to some negative thing in our life. Right? But let's say that you were going on a beautiful trip to like Europe. And Europe was your like bucket list thing. It's good if I pray for you to enjoy God's gifts while you're there. Yes? We will find ourselves gathered together with God for all of eternity. In that reality, will it be good for me to pray that you enjoy Him more and more as each day passes? Will it be good for me to desire to go to God and to be like, I hope when Dustin's riding that T-Rex, he has a really good time today, Lord. <laughs> right? Will that be good? Do you think that you will do that there? Think about it. And if you think that you'll do that there, in the, in the heaven that we will enjoy raised in new life forever, then... You're doing it now. If you think I'll be doing it then, do we then exclude that time 
between when you leave this walk, enter into the next, and when we all meet up at the resurrection? Right? That's the question. Right? If it's a good thing for us to lift one another up, both in the trials that we find ourselves facing as well as just lifting us up one another up generally that we would enjoy life and the life that God's given, the blessings that He's given, if both of those are good, um, do those end in, an, in the intermediate state? Uh, so let's, let's read here Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, when we typically think about this, we we typically think about this and we confine it to this side. But is it confined? I think the martyrs would show us that in some regards, heaven... Heaven still intercedes for the events on earth. And that's, that's good if it, if it does, right? So here we're called to make supplication for all the saints. This is a call. This is a command. This is something good for us to do. And I would make the case that it's always good for us to lift one another up. I think it also helps us to kind of shape that idea in regards to prayer, in regards to the way that we pray, the fact that you can come before God. And this is kind of, and in, in, we're in summary now as we look back at Hebrews chapter 4, um, specifically at verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Brothers and sisters, you can boldly come to God. You can lift up your needs to Him directly. We are blessed to have one another that I can lift your needs up to Him. And it is good for me to do that. But you don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through another person. We can do this together, and that is good. And in some regards, we know for certain that we have Jesus doing this at all times. In all places that we would fail, we know that He never does. We get glimpses in Scripture where we see a picture of those who find themselves having passed from this life into the next, the martyrs, as well as we see uh, this rich man um, and this picture that we get that Jesus gives there. And we can draw a lot of negative examples of what not to do or how to approach um, bringing intercessory prayer to God in that regards. But the the question still stands there. What was he trying to do? And we know what the martyrs were doing. And we see when we look at the martyrs there that they were doing it effectively. Um, So with that, um, 
we will conclude. So um, I just want to we'll restate the question. Um, we'll answer it in, in levels of certainty. So do those who are in heaven now pray for us who are on earth now in regards to Jesus? Without question. In regards to some, at least some others in heaven, there seems to be a resounding yes. In regards to everyone, I can't say. I can't say. Um, But the signs at least seem to point that they could in some sense, in some regard, lift up the needs of those that are their brothers and sisters spiritually while they still find themselves in paradise. Um, This leads us to next week's question, which is how could they enjoy heaven now? How could they enjoy it now while being aware of what's going on on earth now? And we've touched on this a bit in the early sessions of our study on heaven, but we'll apply it specifically to uh, the intermediate state next time that we get together. Um, So that'll be it for tonight.